What's the good news, Brian? Dee Dee Allen. Welcome to Behind the Hype. Me, your host, is always Brian Dressel. With me, as always, Jonathan Hardesty. Yo. And Chewy Darso. Hello. This week, talking about Dee Dee Allen, the fucking amazing editor. And I am so excited to be talking about her. Um. Uh, who was uh was anybody here familiar with her work before we uh we started doing a little bit of research for these next few weeks uh no not really no uh, especially not when i saw the list of the things that she edited on i was like oh i knew i know of those movies i didn't know she worked on them i remember somebody i remember one of my editing oh. teachers when i was in uh when i was in film school mentioning her uh just because it was I had a female editing teacher, and lo and behold, they're going to make sure, damn sure, that we know the great female editors <laughs> out there. So uh, I remember her mentioning her, but that was really just, and Dee Dee Allen is great, and that was about the end of that lesson. But I still remember at least that much, and that's kind of why I looked her up for this month. I'm like, who was that editor that my teacher said was so fucking good? And then I looked her up, I'm like, oh yeah, nope, that tracks. Uh, Dee Allen. Chewie, were you familiar, really, with her at all? Or just her work? I'm familiar with her work, not so much in the way that I've seen it, other than, like, Adam's Family Values, or just just Adam Family. Yeah, Adam's Family. Uh, (coughs) And Breakfast Club. It's really, like, I really haven't seen very many of her films. Well, you've seen Bonnie and Clyde. I have now seen Bonnie and Clyde. (laughs) You are correct, sir. (laughs) Before that, I had only seen the final shot. Or sequence, more so. Which uh, we'll have to talk quite quite a bit about, because there's a decent amount of editing there. Mm-hmm. And very impressive editing there. Mm-hmm. Um, so this week, if you haven't caught on yet, or this week and the next three weeks after, we are going to be talking about the amazing editor, Dee Dee Allen. Uh, last week, wa- or last month, was Joe Dante month, and man, did I have fun talking about Joe Dante. That was, uh, that was a real treat, and it definitely excited me to continue this format. For the foreseeable future, because it is a great way to kind of dive into people that we don't know, or especially know as well as we thought we did, in my case, for Joe Dante. Um, and and, and get a, a better look at totally just them in over time. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to spoil now who next month is, but next month will be a little bit different. We're not going to do the time thing so much. This one is going to be far more in the time way. So we're starting very early in her career, not in the beginning of her career, with Bonnie and Clyde, which would I, I would argue is probably her... Her most famous earlier work. She did work a lot in like sci-fi and horror in the, like the very late '40s and early '50s. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'm trying to I'm looking at her list right now. And then yeah, the first thing that I really recognize uh, would be The Hustler, which I have not seen but I've heard great things about. And then Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, oh yeah, The Hustler's great. Yeah, I, I've been, it's been on my list. That ever-growing list of movies that I need to watch. Um, I just haven't gotten around to it. Uh, so many movies. Yeah. So I thought it best to start out strong with a, uh, a movie that 
everyone is at least aware of if they haven't seen. And uh, Bonnie and Clyde just seem like the the best possible best possible option. Uh, I did throw out the possibility of doing Terror from the Year Five Thousand, but nobody really seemed that into that one. And who knows how <laughs> strong the editing was going to be in that one? So this is probably the better choice. Yeah. I still want to try to watch Terror from the Year Five Thousand. Unfortunately, we it has not been digitized, <laughs> so we have to find a VHS. Oh boy, somewhere eBay. Yeah, so we might not be watching Terror from the Year Five Thousand, or I mean, there might be on a DVD somewhere, but it's not available to rent. In the interwebs. Yeah. Ah, the joy of switching to new formats and all the movies that get lost. Some movies get lost in the dust. Like it's gonna you're gonna have to find it on beta. (laughs) There we go. Um, so throughout the rest of this month, uh, if you do want to watch along with us, we are doing Bonnie and Clyde first and today. And then after that, we are moving on to Dog Day Afternoon. Um, one of my all-time favorite movies. I fucking love Al Pacino in this movie. I'm very, very excited to talk about that. That'll be next week. Uh, and then moving on past then, uh, Chewie's Choice was uh, just a few years after Dog Day Afternoon, but still a very important movie to talk about. We're talking about The Wiz. Which I've never seen. Am I the only one who's seen it? Probably. Uh, no, I don't John, think so. have you seen it? I don't think so, no. Perfect. I, I didn't I am, even watch the new version uh, of Queen Latifah. I am so excited, so excited for both of you to see The Wiz. I love <laughs> The Wiz. I don't remember the editing in it, so that's going to be kind of a trip for, for all of us. Uh, and then John had the final choice. And John, do you remember which one was yours? Uh, I think it was uh, Final Cut. Final Cut? The Final Cut? Yeah. Final Cut, yeah. Um, which is another one that I, I didn't realize how much of her work I've seen over the years. But the final <laughs> cut will be a very fun one to dive into, as well as one of uh, Robin Williams' later movies. Uh, and it's not funny, but it is very, very serious. And it's going to be fun because it's also about an editor. So we get to watch, through the guise of an editor, a movie about an editor. Whoa! And that'll be... Uh, that'll <laughs> Whoa, be the layers, movie. man. <laughs> yeah! That'll be the last movie of the month. So we got a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, we're going to try to... Try to cover some other movies in between for where have they been doing. Unfortunately, Chu and I didn't have time to watch anything this week. Um, so, John, were you able to? No, I have I have one in my mind that I want to get to. So I'll probably bring it to the table um, come the next one. Okay, cool. Yeah. So this week we're gonna have to we're gonna have to skip it. Uh, I was gonna do uh, Breakfast Club because I watched it somewhat recently. But I don't think it's recently enough to actually be able to speak to the editing aspect of it. I could yeah. talk about the movie for hours, but that's not really going to help us when we want to focus on the editor. So, uh, cards on the table. That's why I don't want to lie to you all for the whole episode. It's so. <laughs> good not to lie. We so appreciate your honesty. Yeah. So, uh, so I will just be honest about my lack of preparedness and just say I really enjoyed rewatching Bonnie and Clyde. And we can dive right into that. Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> uh, it's a movie from the uh, the late. Who? What year did this? Late sixties. Late sixties. I couldn't remember late sixties. For some reason, I always think fifties for some reason, even though that doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, movie from late sixties about the famed uh, or infamous uh, bank robber slash murderers, Mister Clyde Barrow and Miss Bonnie Parker, and uh, goes through their exploits in a very quick fashion, kind of how their exploits were. If you're familiar with their history, it does a very good job. <sighs> Hollywooding up how violent right. and terrible they were, and how attractive they were, and how attra- well they were attractive. <laughs> oh yes, I don't think they were this attractive. They were definitely Clyde was a handsome dude, and Bonnie you can't really tell in the photos because they're not that clear, but she looked like she was a good looking girl. Like the fact that they were able to walk into banks and just like, hey, we're robbing you. I mean, it speaks volumes to their uh, charisma, and they both did that a lot. People loved them. They were happy to be robbed by them? Not happy to be robbed, but 
when they ran into these people, they enjoyed seeing them. They were celebrities in the bad way. <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll kind of jump in back and forth because I, I went through a pretty big Bonnie and Clyde obsession thing after I saw this movie when I was a kid. And then uh, recently I listened to, I'll throw a plug to a show we have absolutely nothing to do with. I listened to the Time Suck uh, episode on Bonnie and Clyde, which if you're more interested in them, uh, Dan Cummins, the comedian, does a uh, history factual podcast called Time Suck, where he's both funny and very, very factual, and he does a very deep dive into Bonnie and Clyde, and it is fascinating. Um, I'll have to check today, that out. Yeah, today we're going to focus more on the movie. We're going to review the movie. We're going to talk about the editing, talk about the people, the impact of the movie, that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, we can dive into this. Uh, I'll do a very quick breakdown of the wonderful story of Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, it is, uh, you know... Tales all the time. Boy meets girl, girl meets boy, and they run off and murder and rob banks together. Uh, that's as old as time, right? It's got to have been happening. They seem forever. to do more murdering than robbing banks. Yeah, that's that's very true as far as the movie. Well, goes. you know, but, money was tight back then in, yeah. during the Great Depression. You know, I mean, they show up to a bank. Banks are like, got no money. It's like, all right, well, you have people to murder. Bang, bang. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> does not happen. Uh, so yeah, so they uh, they they meet. When uh, Clyde is trying to steal, I think it's Bonnie's mom's car, or maybe yeah, her, her car. mom's car. Her mom's car, yeah. And then they uh, <clears throat> instantly, bam, fall in love, go on a wild rampage throughout all of the South and a little bit of the Midwest, and just start robbing and murdering. Um, they get some friends along the way, including some very young Gene Hackman. Um, they even have a very young Gene Wilder in the car for a while. Uh, crazy <laughs> stuff ensues, and then slowly but surely, the the laws will catch up with you when you do that sort of thing. And they did. One by one, they start dying. A huge plan is hatched with uh, their driver's dad to finally put them out once and for all. And it works flawlessly. And whole oh boy, do Bonnie and Clyde uh, meet a grisly end. Um, which is uh, also very true to life. You can look up the photos. I accidentally looked one up last night, and the movie gets it pretty close. Yeah. yeah. If they, you looked at the should... movie cover and thought it was going to be a happy ending, nope. <laughs> you have another thing coming. It's nope. almost like they were being aerated or something. Yeah. Like soil. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> like, we need more holes. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. And then, like, if you look up the actual facts of this thing, like, even the cops are like, uh, yeah, we, we overdid it. <laughs> we, 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 we definitely overdid it we did that on purpose like we we made sure they were fucking dead because we were fucking done chasing them <laughs> we emptied every clip we had every bullet we brought with us ended up either in their car or in them there was more yeah. lead in them uh, than blood <laughs> yeah like, the entire state's oh. bullets were all in their bodies none of this is an exaggeration if you look up the crime scene photo not the crime scene photo the photos i guess crime scene whatever um it's pretty accurate the movie nails it uh they they were done with Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, so that's kind of the movie, uh, a story, as you will. And uh, we can start moving through it. And we'll start with uh, with Dee Dee Allen herself. And uh, let's just kind of talk a little bit about the editing um, in the movie. And the way that I'll start out in talking about this is I find her use of one-on-one conversations throughout the movie fascinating. She does a very good job of knowing when to stay on the person being talked to instead of the person talking. And there's a lot of conversations between Bonnie and Clyde where almost 100% of the time, if Clyde is talking, 
we're on Bonnie. And if Bonnie's talking, we're on Clyde. And it's always like one-on-one. We don't see like a two-shot of them together like enjoying the conversation. You always just see the reaction and the reaction. And I think that was a really, really solid choice, probably by Didi and the director. Um, and it just made each conversation a little bit more engaging because you're reacting with them while they're reacting. It kind of makes you feel like uh, Bonnie or Clyde is talking to you, the audience, as opposed to just to another character in the movie. I thought that was really cool. Did anybody else pick up on that sort of thing as a movie went on? Not... Not quite to the extent that you did. Mm-hmm. I picked up more on how it just she did quick cuts to facial expressions to show emotion. Mm-hmm. Like, particularly how we opened the movie and how you said that she was editing around her boobs. I mean, that's what it always felt like to I, me. I feel like it was more like editing around her state of mind because she just, like, she seemed choppy. She seemed anxious. She was, I'm assuming this is a girl who's just incredibly unsettled <coughs> during the Depression. Yeah. And has like unrelentingness in her brain and it calms down when she sees Clyde. And then it goes back to like normal ending. We don't have weird jump cuts. We don't have her laying down or moving fast or whatnot. It's more like, oh, okay, she's with him now. No, that's a really great look at it. I never really, I never really thought about it like that. I mean, yeah. I saw this when I was a teenage boy and I'm like, oh, naked girl. Why can't I see naked girl? Where'd naked girl go? Um, naked nah. girl's frustrated. <laughs> that's why she's punching her bed. <laughs> Um, but no, that makes a, a, a quite a significant amount more sense. Yeah. <laughs> My adult teenage brain. Uh, John, what about you? Um, yeah, no, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, one kind of thing that influenced this, as I, I had to read up on it a little bit more because I wasn't exactly sure, but based off the, the jarring cuts in the beginning, the style you said where they were looking at reaction shots and just shooting things in a slightly different way and making interesting uses of longer shots... Uh, I guess a lot of the beginning inspiration for this movie and its production was uh, French New Wave. And oh, I, I can see that. I had a time when I was out here, when I moved out here to L.A. and had a lot more access to rep cinemas where we, I watched a bunch of French New Wave films and even getting into a few movies of Jean-Luc Godard. And those always felt like they're trying to do things a different way, try to bring a different approach to the material and a lot of French New Wave had a lot of romance, but kind of in this backdrop that just happened matter of factly. And that really, in, like, now that I think about that, that really, I really zoned in on that with this watching, with this yeah, viewing. I would Sorry. I never say, just concerning French New Wave, I would never call it like romance so much as like anti romance. It's like love yeah. despite romance. Um, and Bonnie and Clyde really have that. Like, there's not a lot of romance to their relationship, but it's very clear infatuation and love almost from the word go. Well, the romance is all about freedom. Yeah. It's not about, because he's, not not, he's not a lover boy. Yeah, it's not romantic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so they have a lot of sequences with them when they're kind of like in a Vista type thing. Like when they go to see her family, mm-hmm. there's a lot of big shots of showing them with the sky above them and playing around in the dirt uh and then when bonnie and clyde are alone again they're in like in a field or whatnot and a lot of sky above them and a lot of openness so there isn't too much holding them down mm-hmm. and the the shots are longer and whenever they're tense the shots are shorter and everything's more like compact especially when bonnie is being feels irritated oh when bonnie's getting really really yeah, tense with so blanche like, it's everything, always just... everything feels really compact like either like the amount of space between her mm-hmm. in the cars or in the uh cabins or whatnot 
and just it like to me the state of mind of the characters really had to do with how fast the editing was no i really like the pacing specifically between bonnie and blanche like when blanche really starts grinding bonnie's gears which is most of the time uh <laughs> pretty much immediately <laughs> pretty much from the moment blanche shows up she's like don't like her uh and it's and it's not even like the the age old especially from this time period where like oh, women don't like women they can't get along this one is i don't like her because she's not a part of our game she's gonna fuck something up and this is all gonna end and it's gonna be her fault and well, she's kind of right no no uh, right. what what did blanche do when she ran away from the cops and they had to go chase her down, that was all her. Technically, she's running after a dog in real life. In real <laughs> life, not in the movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, she screamed first and like set yeah. it all off. And uh, She's just not a criminal. I thought it was interesting, too, that the movie uh, firmly put us in Bonnie's point of view when it comes to Blanche. Through most of the movie, I would say until we get to the ending, Blanche's end. But uh, I know there's been some complaints that like Blanche is too annoying. But I think that's the point. I think we're seeing her in the movie from Blanche, uh, Bonnie's point of view. Sorry, two B names. But I mean, that was that was Blanche's take on the movie. I'm too annoying. <laughs> she was uh, she was not a fan of the movie. She's also the only member of the the Barrel Gang to have a somewhat normal or decent life after their activities with the Barrel Gang. No, everyone else met a rather grisly end. She just died of cancer. Yeah, she died. Good of old cancer. Yeah, CW, the uh, the driver in the movie is actually two people, both of which met a horrible end. <laughs> one was shot to death with a shotgun. The other one was drunk and got hit by a train. Oh, jeez. <laughs> like, <laughs> they didn't really have quality lives, and then everybody else has died while being part of the gang. Yeah. But I really like going back to the editing of it. I really like that, and then I also like. I can't really say that it's playful because that's kind of a weird way to put it, but. I love the way, just through the story and through lines, without really seeing it, that they kind of expand the gang. So the movie was very, very set on showing us action, which there's quite a bit of, especially for a movie from the 60s. There's a lot of action in this. Lots of shootouts, lots of chases. Um, Far more than you usually expect from this sort of thing, because back in the time, action movies were way more spaced out. Um, And this one is in your face and loud and violent um but i was kind of because we spend so much time doing that we don't really get the down moments with the gang that much but we get them and when we do you can see how much time has progressed specifically between cw and bonnie and i think that was really smart the way they kind of kept that in and they'd always kind of frame it with like um specifically like cw's tattoo when he's talking to blanche about it and she's like well why'd you get these he's like oh well bonnie said i'd like the she'd like the bluebirds and we don't really ever see that many conversations between CW and Bonnie beyond like none. beyond when she kind of coerces him into the car and like when she and Clyde coerce him into the car the first time. They don't really interact that much. But through the dialogue and stuff and the way they show it, we still get that relationship. And I think that is really, really well done. And it's, it's interesting how well they're able to pull it off because you still buy their friendship, even though we don't see it. By the way, if you're ever... A getaway driver. Don't parallel park somewhere. Don't park the car, man. <laughs> Just don't. Even if you park, don't parallel park. Yeah, don't. Oh, oh boy. If I hadn't been watching job. that. Yeah. If I hadn't been watching that late at night, I would have been like screaming at the at the guy. Just like, come on, dude. <laughs> that was one sequence that was shot or edited quite choppily. Probably gun. State of mind. State what of mind. the hell is happening? And, and that's really what what she did so well throughout the entire movie is the editing always matches always matches 
the say the the point of view character for whatever scene it's in state of mind yeah uh, and it's throughout the whole movie and it's great yeah. um, the person who I don't think gets the most showcase at least through the editing or through the, even really the storytelling that much would have to be is it Buck yeah Buck he really yeah Buck doesn't do much no and I love Gene Hackman I think he's great mm. and I actually think he's really good in this movie I just he just has the least amount to do and it kind of made sense with like mm. they combined two people into CW <clears throat> for the movie they couldn't really do it with. Clyde's brother because it's Clyde's brother yeah so he has to be his own character but at the same time nobody's showing up for Buck no that's not why we're here yeah but at the same time those yeah that makes sense Bonnie absolutely yeah but at the same time when Clyde and his brother have their scene together the the we stay on the that shot of them for a long we get to stay on shots of them together talking for a long period of time and there's not like it's almost like she the editor Didi knows to like this scene we gotta leave it be and I thought it was very interesting that personal moment between the two brothers sticks out to me because it wasn't too flashy or too choppy compared to like you know in the beginning our introduction to Bonnie because their state of mind was much more calm because they were with family yeah they're safe but then it even turns at the end but it even turns at the end where they kind of run out of things to talk about and like well what do we do now like it even lets the emotion play out for us too like really excited and all like oh we're getting to know each other and then oh so now what like that's i think that's the first time in a movie where i've I've had that moment with the characters on screen and just that the simplicity of the scene really brought along yeah um so let's move on to the the elephant in the room because that's really where the editing shines the most and then we'll start just kind of talking about the movie itself because you know (coughs) i want to talk about bonnie and clive it's a great movie um but it's got to be in the death oh yeah it is so fucking well done like, it's I, done just like a real hunting moment. Yeah. Like he's a deer. Clyde's a piece of is a deer essentially. Yeah. He's a deer who just sprung a trap. Yeah. And there's no like Clyde made it clear throughout the whole movie that he can get away from any situation. Not this one. He might have been able to, but he he tries to go back for Bonnie. I don't think there's any way he was getting away. I don't know. That, that was a wall of bullets. He could have tried yeah. to dive underneath the truck after the other dude he could have tried to dive just straight to the ground or uh, behind his car no he locks eyes with bonnie and tries to go to her yeah and she does try to go to him too she moves forward in the car i mean she can't go through the windshield or anything but that's that's where they the quick editing of just their eyes looking at each other but that's the whole sequence there like the the movie like even when it gets kind of hectic like in their heads as we've been mentioning it never goes quite as bonkers as it does at the end which makes sense um but when it goes at the end like the shots are less than a second it is just bam 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 until they're getting shot until they're getting shot and then it's oh boy they're getting shot. oh wow (laughs) yeah Um, no that was like he he gets distracted by the birds for a second so you see a shot of the birds you see cw's dad you see clyde again you see bonnie again i didn't even think of it being distracted by the birds it's more of a same sort of thing as when deer look up or whatnot like something's wrong like he started to feel like something was wrong Mm. when he saw the dad you know, looking sketchy. Yeah. And then he looked at the bushes and then the birds went up and he looked at the the birds and they looked back at the bushes. And he's like, he's what about, the fuck is happening? Yeah, it's an animal going, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's something wrong here. And then, yeah, it just, I, I had never, I didn't know this scene existed because I hadn't, I've only heard about the movie, you know, but I had, I didn't know that this scene in its construction existed the way it did. So as a first time viewer of this, oh, it was such a treat and it was such a, 
an interesting it's a weird sh- way to put it <laughs> yeah well a- a- editor editor talk here having a, having sure. things like this to chew on was really cool especially when you go to like the uh, spaghetti westerns where it's long takes close up on their eyes as they're contemplating this was more like rat-a-tat-tat they're dead and it was such a sharp shock that was like i, I don't know i i'm still thinking about it now having only been a couple days from seeing it just them looking at each other like you guys were saying the the deer analogy there everything kind of that moment just before and then the editing precursoring the like the rat of the bullets themselves like the guns I, I it was really exciting as an editor to watch this play out and just be so breathtaking and just just speaking to the craftsmanship of the scene it's one of those like we we take it for granted now in 2020 editing like this because it's very not i'm not going to throw shade it's not easy to do but it's much easier to do that in an avid timeline or uh premiere timeline than it is physically cutting film which is how they would have had to do this a lot less time consuming yeah in the 60s she would have had to piece this together like a puzzle yeah your fingerprints on there (laughs) (laughs) well even with our like little editing thing that we had to do in college just before they switched to video with, you know, the Bolexes and the 16 millimeter film strips. Could you imagine trying to do something to that level? Like it's no. just, it's that much more impressive knowing, like you said, that work that had to go into making that scene so quick, so final and so exciting. Yeah. The, you have the, to, you have to be exact. You have to had for this scene is it. It's so incredible. It was really good. I can't remember which class I saw it in. It might have been film history or it could have been mise-en-scene or something like that. I know I watched it in one of my classes. I mean, it works for so many things. Yeah. I mean, you took editing classes. It could have been in that. Like, it's a great, amazingly edited scene. Like, there's just so much you can say about it. And that's, you know, it just speaks volumes that, like, that's the best thing in the movie. And, like, none of the rest of it is poorly edited. Like, the whole movie is just so well done. Um and that's where I'm going to kind of leap into the rest of it. Kind of like, just do one of our old-fashioned movie reviews here. You remember how we used to do that? <laughs> remember back in the day? Back, back in the I day remember. When, yeah. Uh, Pepperidge Farmer members. <laughs> that's the only unfortunate thing when we're, we're doing somebody like an editor, is that we can only talk about them for so much. Whereas, like, with somebody like a director, they did the whole fucking thing. So you can just kind of bounce through everything, and the director had a hand in it. The editor... It's only a little bit tougher to stay on them for an hour yeah. straight. Um, but who knows? Maybe we'll be able to do it. She movies. did not dictate hairstyles. She did not dictate hairstyles. She did not well, dictate... Uh, can I call it one interesting uh, thing that stood out to me? Nope. Um, all right, moving on. No, sorry, all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you bastard. Um, the montage when the mother rejects Bonnie um, and Clyde, that whole, like, that whole montage is set to like no music, you don't hear anything they're saying. The music, there's some sound that kind of comes and goes. And it, what struck me about it was just deciding not to have things. It was it was a montage of things that didn't exist. Like there wasn't music. There wasn't dialogue that you could catch. And there, this, there was a few of those moments throughout the movie, but it really stood out for me in that montage near the end. And just then transitioning to the movie, just that her, when she says, well, well she rejects her. Like you can't live. I don't want you to live near me, or I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> it's just like holy, damn! Out of all the things to hear, I took that as if you stay put, you die. Yeah. You can't move near me because you'll die. You can never stop running. Yeah. You, know, you made this life. Mm. That's yeah. how I always took that. Yeah, she that, wasn't. I took it a much more mean spirited way, I guess. Well, I mean, it is mean spirited. <laughs> 
she's lost her daughter. In her mind, her daughter's already dead. Yeah. Yeah. She's written her off. She's like a ghost. Yeah. She's happy to see her. It's like, oh, yeah, good. Hey. Bye, sweetie. I love you. But in her mind, she's already dead. And she's right. Like, her mom, if you look at it from that point of view, her mom's 100% right. Yeah. Like, her daughter's on borrowed time. You don't do what she did, especially if you do it to the point where the the cops can't figure out who committed a crime. Fuck it. It was Bonnie and Clyde. Which Mm -hmm. is true. That is what happened at the time. Like, while they're held up in a fucking cabin trying to nurse their wounds, somebody robs a bank and they couldn't figure out who. It was like, it was probably Bonnie and Clyde. He's like, I couldn't fucking move. It wasn't me. (laughs) So there's something kind of interesting to all of that. And, like, the... God, the mom scene is just rough. Her going to visit her mom is just brutal. It's vicious the whole family. Yeah. They're having fun with the kids. They're taking family photos. Yeah. Rolling around. They're all having a grand old time until they go to talk to the mom. It's like, oh, by the way, yeah, we, you're wasting your time here. You should be running. Yeah. It it made me believe, or it made me have a sliver of hope that they could survive and settle down. Like the movie, even though I know differently, history and all that, the movie itself, that scene, I was like, maybe, just maybe, they'll get through. And They should have ran off to and, South America. Yeah. But I think it's because we didn't get to hear them talking. Cassidy. That we yeah. didn't get to hear them talking a lot. We got to just see them existing from a distance point of view. I started. Got, I got to think about it. I got to think about them and the potential for peace. And, and there's something to be said. You, you mentioned a little bit ago that I'll just circle back to. There's something to be said about the use of music in this movie that I think is just fantastic. Because it's very minimal. And it's almost never to try to like punctuate a scene, which is great when it's done and it's done well. But this one more so uses silence to punctuate a scene than yeah. anything else. Like the only time we really get a music is when you get that ding 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 when they're driving the cars, and it's like it's almost like like uh, it's almost at odds with what's happening in the movie. That kind of makes it, uh, it keeps you on your edge of your seat a little bit. It's like oh, what the hell is happening? And it's like oh, they're running from the cops again somehow. It's fun for them. Yeah, it's fun. They're having a grand old time. This is exactly it's almost like a reversal. It's almost like a reversal. The music yeah. is where you're like getting a chance to breathe a little bit. And then like the silence, you're just like, it's just building. It's building up all this stress. Like, you know, the end is coming. And then, oh, okay. Yeah. Now we're getting in some antics a little bit. We're, we're, we're switching the tone just a little bit to kind of ease that valve. Yeah. Oy. Yeah. Very well done. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about, about the, the cast here because, you know, as much as the movie was fantastically edited, there, there wouldn't have been anything if they didn't actually show up and do their jobs. And I'd say Warren Beatty fucking crushes as well. <laughs> I mean, Warren Beatty, hey, do I need to be attractive and charismatic and, you know, someone that anyone would just drop to please at the, the drop of a hat? Uh, yeah. Can you do that? Can you do that, Warren Beatty? Yes, I'm fucking Warren Beatty. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, he's good. I, I just I, there's something about Clyde Barrow that 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 obviously captured the imaginations of fucking thousands upon thousands of people like when he was alive. That Warren Beatty has some very big shoes to fill, which is saying something for a Hollywood A-lister. That oh, you have to be impressive in this role, <laughs> but he did. I mean, Clyde captured the th- the hearts and minds of thousands upon thousands of people by poems written by his girlfriend, published in the paper, kind of as a lark. People were obsessed with him because of this. So Warren Beatty has to make that larger-than-life personality a real thing that we can go, yeah, I get why people are obsessed with him. (laughs) And And he did a lot of research. Yeah. He spent time with the actual Blanche. Yeah. Got kind of friendly and close with her. 
And he's just one of those actors that's a very... Like back then where, I don't know if he was Method or whatnot, not quite Joaquin Phoenix level, but he definitely... Is anyone? Yeah. <laughs> but he like immersed himself in this role. And a lot of times in most of his roles, like he was 100% in all the time. What'd you think, John? Just one long, drawn-out, sexy whistle. <laughs> Which, like, damn, the, the charisma is just insane. And for lack of a better word, this and the smolder. And them together was just... Just, yeah. Everything you guys said about Warren Beatty, that. And then just them together, it was... I mean, yeah, I'll, I'd let them rob me. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, and I, I would enjoy it. I'd get I'm a picture with them. We rob you. Uh, and I'd be like, hell yeah. Can I, can I, <laughs> can, can you do it again? <laughs> can I get a high five? <laughs> <laughs> um, but as to uh, what Chewie was saying that might have gotten cut out due to uh, overlapping internet connections, we're talking about uh, long, drawn out whistles of woo. Faye Dunaway, man. She's a blonde Oh, blonde man. Show. Holy shit. Yeah, no. her voice. Is that a weird thing? No. No, no, Love not weird at all. Voice. Yeah. Like it might be weird for someone who hasn't seen fucking... this. Sure, okay, that's that's fair. Uh but her voice, like the way she just talks throughout the whole movie, she just commands attention. Yeah, she's confident and she's smart. Yeah. And a little nuts. Yeah. A different kind of nuts than Clyde, but they're both a little nuts. It's that wonderful combination of beautiful and crazy that men just love. Yeah. <laughs> this was it. <laughs> she, she fucking nailed it. She's dangerous. <laughs> she's dangerous and hot as hell, and I should definitely stay away, but I don't want to. <laughs> yes, that is Bonnie Parker in this movie. It is like, Bonnie Parker. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and that's before the Tommy gun and the cigar. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, if you haven't seen the actual photo of Bonnie Parker with her, her it's a... It's like a revolver and like a cigar hanging out of her mouth. If you look at that photo, it's like, I get why people loved her. Yeah. yeah. I get why people loved her. I think the Tommy gun was the one that she was pointing at Clyde in the photo. There's a shotgun. There's a shotgun? I yeah. thought it was like, okay, whatever. Guns pointed at people. Yeah. Um, and she's very good at keeping up with fashion while being on the run. Well, kind of. I mean. What do you mean? She looked amazing. She always had the best blouses. I guess that's true. I guess I wasn't paying attention to her blouses. Hmm. She had very good blouses. I was really Yeah, no, she did. I was paying attention to the blouse, too. She kept it classy. <laughs> but, man, like, the, the the thing is, like, Faye Dunaway is... When I think of Faye Dunaway, I think of Bonnie and Clyde. And that's about it. And I know she's had a wonderful career that's lasted for years and years and years, and she's deserved all the accolades she's had. But there's something to be said about that that one role that can define a career as impressively as this, and not in a negative way. Like it kind of makes you go, like, I don't, I don't care what you do after this because you're fantastic because you were Bonnie Parker. Like there's some actors who have done some of the best roles ever, and if they start sucking, I'm like, all right, I'm out. Like that's, I mean, don't hate me, internet. But Nick Cage is kind of like that. Hmm. Nick Cage has won Academy Awards. He's been amazing, and then he's done directed DVD movies. Like th- mm-hmm. they're not all going to be great, and that's why Nicolas Cage is, you know, both. A treasured hero and kind of a joke. Um, I don't mean to be mean, <laughs> Nick Cage. I love you, Nick Cage. But you, you all know what I'm saying. Yes. You all understand right. at least a little bit. Whereas Faye Dunaway could have done nothing but shit the rest of her career, and I would still think she's a great actress because of her role here. 
Agreed. I'll always remember her as Selena in Supergirl. Well, there is that. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to talk about something that is not her best performance. But, I mean, what was it? That was... That was a movie that no one gave a good performance in. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> but I mean, like, but still, a... it was Faye Dunaway. It was Faye Dunaway. Yeah, it was Faye Dunaway. Uh, and John's a robot. <laughs> John went full robot there. Um, but like, she was nominated for an Academy Award for this. She didn't win. Uh, I don't remember who she lost to. She did later win for I think it was Network. I want to say that sounds right. Um, so she has won before, and probably she probably deserved it for that one. I don't think I've seen Network the whole way through. It doesn't matter. Um, but the other person who actually won the Academy Award for this movie was the woman who portrayed Blanche. Oh, good old Blanche. Good old Blanche. You know, that scream. It was, she sold it. She, she sold, sold it. Sold the hell out of it. It was grating as hell. But she did a great job. It's, uh, <laughs> Estelle Parsons was the woman who played Blanche, Blanche. And she was great. Like, she really is great in that role. Yeah. And she does uh, trousers well. She does wear trousers well. I like her outfit when she's going to get some sandwiches or whatnot from the market. And CW ruins everything by having the gun in the front of his pants. CW. Ugh, damn it, CW. That boy. CW. If you look up Estelle Parsons on IMDb, her profile photo is her kissing the Oscar she won for this movie, Mm -hmm. which is adorable. Uh, (laughs) So oh, the the guy who played CW, we should at least mention, because I, I don't know him. He's one of the people I don't know from anything else. I'm sure I've seen him in something else. But, His uh, photo on IMDb screams Creeper in the 90s. Totally screams Creeper in the 90s. Uh, he also kind of looks the exact same, just <laughs> older somehow. Uh, again, in his photo on IMDb, we're just going to keep talking about it. He's wearing even the same type of hat he wore the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's Michael J. Pollard. And I... I I've always kind of loved CW, and it could be because he's not a real character, so I can maybe attach myself to him a little bit more and not feel crazy. Um, But I really liked his whole... It wasn't desperate. It wasn't sad. It wasn't like, uh, I'm seeking adventure or anything like that. It was really just, I have nothing better to do. (laughs) So he goes out and joins this gang and like completely ruins the rest of his whole life. Actually, he joins... They try calling him out. They try calling him Yella, essentially. Yeah. And then he's just like, oh, I'll show you. And, and there's also kind like, of a little bit of a, like, an all shucks mentality with a little bit of menace underneath. I don't know. I, I couldn't help but stare at him whenever he was in his scenes, just because I was like, what are you going to do next? Yeah. And, and he, you almost kind of feel bad for him at times, because at times you almost like, are they taking advantage of him? Oh, he definitely seems slow. Yeah. Not not terribly. Like, not... He's a little slow. He's a little slow. And I don't want to say they take advantage of him, but they kind of do. But he's also really game for it. Like, when he comes home and his dad is like, oh, of course, Bonnie and Clyde, our home is your home. And get these fucking psychos mm-hmm. out of my goddamn house. And, like, his dad is smart. His dad is smart, and it did not pass to his child. No, it did not. Yeah. But his dad had it dialed in. Yeah. Like, oh, absolutely, Clyde, you're such a handsome guy, and Bonnie, I just love you so much, and my God, they're going to get us all killed. And he just shines it on, and it's so good at it that you're kind of like, oh, poor CW. <laughs> like, well, he's Also, with- kind of poor CW and you lucky son of a bitch. 
The whole reason you're oh, doing yeah. all of this is to make sure you don't get the death penalty. Yeah. I he, mean, when he went to trial, people would probably realize he wasn't the brains behind the operation <laughs> pretty soon. I mean, the the guy who, uh, the real people, I mean, he they went to jail, and the deal did go through, so he didn't get the death penalty. Yeah. It worked. And that's only if you believe one of the stories. There's two totally different stories about how they died, and one is what happens in this movie, and one is a very different one. And I'm not sure how to ever figure out which one's real. But I'll believe the movie, because I like movies. Yay! Um, <laughs> and movies are real and factual. Yeah, I mean, that's where I learn all of my truths. <laughs> Hoy, uh, what have we missed? What do we want to talk about? The editing was really good. <laughs> we should, uh, yeah, the editing was great. Have you heard of the editor? Um, <laughs> we should mention uh, Gene Wilder's uh, little appearance in the movie. They're stealing my car. <laughs> the, the strange thing it's his debut. That, about that whole sequence. <laughs> the strangest thing about the whole sequence is I love it. I think it's great. It could be lifted out of the movie and nothing would change. I think it was that was an illustration though of how, how they charismatic win they are. people over. Yeah. The people they're screwing over, they can win on to be on their side to you, you want be to be part them? of them. Yeah. Because yeah. even when they're like, "You should join our gang," ha ha ha! Oh, what would the people say back home? They laugh it off like it's no big deal. Yeah. It's like you're you're with the car. You're in a car with they're known. Your car. You're in. Your stolen car with known murderers. Yeah. And they're laughing, having they, a great time. And they leave you in the middle of nowhere. Gene Wilder has enough to be like, hey, this isn't my sandwich. Where's my sandwich? Yeah. Like, how comfortable no. did they make them feel? You feel like these guys, like th- this movie and Gene Wilder's scene is kind of like this early version of what would become the random side characters you'll get in a, a Coen Brothers film, uh, like um, John Goodman yeah. and uh, Inside Lewin Davis. You know, like the, these characters that just kind of pop in. You could lift them out and the movie's still the same and still good, but their addition just adds an extra, a weird tonal, like a tonal flavor to it that's interesting. <laughs> it's such a weird aside. Davis was, don't leave the cat with him. No! <laughs> <laughs> the cat! No, and, and this one, I wouldn't even say that it adds like a tonal anything. It just, it fleshes out the world. It just kind of gives us a, another idea of like, what are people going through in the depression? It kind of reminds me of like side characters in uh, Hell or High Water. It's like, it's just a glimpse of like how bad it can be. But I think, yeah. I, yeah, I love that whole sequence. But I, I, it still just kind of goes like, but if we were to lose it, what do we lose? We, we just save some time? Yeah, we lose like 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, but it's still good. I still like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So we're gonna move to the end of this thing, and I, I did not prepare either one of the other people on the podcast because you know that's how I like to do it. Uh, so we're still not doing favorite quotes because that's not what we're doing right now, and we're not gonna do funniest moment because that's not this movie. But since we're talking about the editor, we're gonna do favorite scene. It can be your favorite edited scene, your favorite scene that has no edits, whatever. But editors are in charge of scenes and segmenting out scenes and making them work. So that's what we're gonna do. Favorite scene. And I'll get the ball rolling, because uh, we've already talked at great length about this scene and how wonderful it is, and it's when they both get murdered. The editing is amazing. That scene haunts me. When I saw it the first time when I was a kid, it gave me nightmares. It was the first time I'd seen a murder just feel like a fucking murder in a movie. And I know it's a pl- it's an okay murder, because police and whatever, whatever. They didn't get a trial. It still feels a little weird. Um, mm. But that scene is just haunting. 
in I, Dungeons. It's haunting so because like it the... makes you aware of how much you liked them, how you grew to like them. It's such a punctuation like, oh, I loved these characters. Yeah. And to see them die this way, oh. like I didn't realize how I felt. Like I didn't realize how much on their side I was until yeah. that scene. Oh, they were the bad guys. Oof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, they were bad, uh, right? I think they were. I have to rewind and totally. see. But I liked the sequence after their second ambush okay. when Clyde gets shot in the head. And Buck. they wake Buck. Sorry. Clyde uh, when... gets shot in the head later. Yes. Uh, when Buck is shot in the head and they wake up in the field with their cars uh, and they are surrounded and it's like pure chaos because they're still trying to get away and Clyde is just driving around like no real like thought process. He's just he's just driving around. Yeah. No one else is even in the car with him and I'm just like, why don't you just drive straight forward and get out of here? But Can't I'm sure... That's why I'm like, I'm sure he's just like in a straight state of pure panic where he's like, I need to survive, but I can't actually leave. And and then, I mean, him and Bonnie get out. And CW. Oh, and CW. Sorry. CW is the only one that gets out unscathed. Yeah. (laughs) Blanche uh, is blinded and Clyde is dead. (laughs) Buck. Buck. Sorry. (laughs) Buck. (laughs) Buck is dead. So dead, I can't remember his name. Gene uh, Hackman. Gene Hackman. And I don't know. I just think that is a very great sequence of just pure, like, adrenaline. It is. Another great edited scene. Yeah. Uh, John, what about you? Uh, the scene that I'm going to pick, uh, since we can all agree that, that la- the ending scene is the best scene, uh, is when they catch the Texas Ranger and they take the pictures with him and send him out on a boat just sitting out there. And even just ending that on the shot of him just looking over the boat being like, what just happened? <laughs> just the whole construction of that scene, how he doesn't talk. And they just, yeah, I don't know. It, it's such a maliciously and malicious and delicious scene in terms of its humor and violence and glee. The whole, as the gang, they come together too. I don't know. I just really liked how that scene played out. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really well done scene, and, yeah. uh, I and think, it, I think... Uh, again it highlights her use of cut shots for yeah. motion because it has a lot of long shots and really like slow and just kind of whimsical, like you're saying, John. But then the moment he spits on Bonnie, it has a quick shot to just Clyde losing it, yeah. and then just oh yeah, violent immediately. Red. <laughs> yeah, until you know they put him on the boat. Yeah. Um... <laughs> We got you. We got you. I'm going to give up on my joke. I've been trying to squeeze a joke in here for like 10 minutes. Go on your joke. What's your joke? No, it's done now. It's not going to be funny anymore. Mm. Okay, so I think we've done it. I think we've done it too. I think we've covered our first D.D. Allen Allen movie. Mm -hmm. First of a many. First of four. Hopefully a few more. Uh, (laughs) First of a minimum of four. First of a guarantee. Yeah, first of a guaranteed four, hopefully five or six, but we'll see. Uh, so we'll move on to plugs. Plugs. Uh, tune in every Monday for Venture Bros, the Venture Brothers podcast. And by every Monday, I mean next Monday for the, <laughs> the last episode. 
<laughs> uh, last tune in for one more week. Not a, yeah, for <laughs> one more week. Uh, and then tune in a few weeks later when we do the whole show wrap up on Venture Bros before we launch our new show, which I'll say next week. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to both of those. And then be sure to check out all the other shows on ATHpod.com. And I'll let John mention one of those. Yeah, Demon Days, an actual play podcast with a focus on fiends. We are continuing our adventures and having a great time at the table. Sometimes on the table, I hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, uh, you, you plug in that store? Superstore. Superstore. Watch Superstore on NBC <laughs> Thursday nights. Got approved for season six. Good for you guys. Yeah. It's always nice to see a show that's good get renewed. Yeah. Uh, that's everything, right? We've done it? We did it? I think so. We did it. We did it. Yeah. We did it. <gasps> then we should probably say goodbye. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye? Goodbye. Oh, wait one quick second. Be sure to watch Dog Day Afternoon to watch next week. Oh, yeah. That's it. Dog Day Afternoon. Be sure to watch it. Watch it in the afternoon with your dog. Or not. Watch it at a bank while screaming, Attica! Attica! (laughs) That's probably the best way you should watch it, yeah. (laughs) What if your dog is named Attica? (laughs) Watch Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, man. Bring your dog Attica to the bank. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you want to be in the league, scream, Attica! (laughs) (laughs) You've <laughs> seen that movie. It sucks. Uh, Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.